Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs, I Michael Thompson talking. The phenomenal AJ Styles. This is Jerry Rose. Charles Johnson. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 51818 edition of One Sportscast Radio. Back at you, always, every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Ryan Cook here with you. Uh, my co-host, Jordan Jiskra, is just handling some business. He'll be back here in just, just a moment or two. we got a fun show lined up. As everybody knows, once that beginning of May kicks off, we get into our NFL previews. Uh, just a few minutes uh, right after our first break here, actually, uh, we have uh, Ian Cummings coming out talking some Washington Redskins football. We'll give you the whole 4-1-1 as we do, starting off with the NFC East this year as normal. So that's going to be a good time. Also, we got to break down the NBA and NHL playoffs. The Bolts still making it in. Makes me happy. Pens go down to the Capitals. Good for Ovi. LeBron putting on a renaissance that we've never seen before. Uh, coming out of his career, he's actually got a killer instinct, so... Kudos to to the Cavs and LeBron. We got to talk about that as well. Other shenanigans, I'm sure, always come into play here. Whether it's some real MVPs, some spit takes, we got a brand new get to know him here. It's a hometown Minnesota favorite, so I'm excited to talk about that as well. Uh, just just a whole ton of fun. It's going to be a nice and quick show. I don't know if we're on the full two hours tonight. We'll see how it ends up going. So we're just going to kind of go, go, go. We're going to right away, boom, jump straight into our first bill payment station, if you will. We're going to cut the break real fast, come right back, start talking NFL preview because we want to get right into it. But first, got to check out the guys at FML Solutions. Get your deer stand for the fall. Once again, guys, I tell you this, week in and week out, they continue to sell out and sell out fast. They will be gone, so get yours before they're gone. Alex is going to tell you all about them. We'll be right back. Redskins football. Sportscast Radio. Looking to get a head start on deer hunting season? Let FML Solutions point you in the right direction. Hi, Alex from Strong Style Media here, letting our listeners know deer season just got a heck of a lot easier. FML Solutions offer a fantastic deer stand that only takes 30 minutes to assemble and disassembles with no tools required. The best part, though, is its ingenious design allows it to double as a cart to haul your trophy back to the truck. FML Solutions is a made-in-the-USA product manufactured right here in Minnesota. Check out FML Solutions on Facebook by searching FML Solutions INC and visit FMLSolutionsInc.com to learn more about this innovative deer stand. Your late-night hip-hop and R&B podcast, Soda Sound Radio, hosted by Kyle Halfline Adams. Every Thursday night, right here on the Strong Style Media Network, catch up on your latest on hip-hop and R&B, and hear Minnesota talent at 10 p.m. Central. But if you trust us the way I feel, I won't fold from the cards that you feel. Let's journey life together and make it worthwhile. Can't take it back like time See, my life is like a movie, no rewinding. Killing mics like I got a license. Victim, I believe don't have religion. Just a higher power. Who power? I'm not so happy with it. 
Yeah. But I take a breath, regain my pulse, check my feet when I'm walking, see if it I've seen it all more than I care to reveal. I'm always sort of clear the air for the real. That's why I'm aiming at the grill, man, because it's how I feel. Nobody being sincere, we need some changes for real. Again, that's Thursdays right here on the Strong Style Media Network. Thursdays at 10 p.m. Central. And if you're a musician, you want to get your music heard on the show, send the MP3 over to Soda Sound at StrongStyleMedia.com. Peanut. Peanut. This right here is Alpha Brain. I just drank some of this in a shake. I got to tell you right now, I couldn't be more clear. You're Clarity. 50, so I use it. I don't do anything without it. I'm addicted I, to I it. I know, but I'm 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 48, but I feel like I'm 26. I have a boner right now. I have so much energy. Like I actually, I, I'm I'm. And I took an Alpha Brain. I never do. I I want to fight you. I want to fight you. I want to go, chin down, and I want to bang, bang. Oh my. Hey, I'm Dr. Asking. What's up? He's been distraught ever since his friend smoked him last week in fantasy football. Now he's grabbed this post and he won't respond. He's got Luzonic plays. What is He's a loser. He's not a loser. Okay, he's a loser. What can he do? With DraftKings, he could have easily challenged his friend to a rematch. Like, I can't. What are you? I can't see that. You need glasses. I'm also an optometrist. At DraftKings, you can play free private contests whenever you want. Strong Style Media presents... Sportscast Radio, the one that started it all, with your host, Ryan Cook, and me, Jordan Jistra. We're going to be giving you everything, and I mean everything from baseball, football, basketball, hockey, field hockey, soccer, bobsled, rockets, pokes, sports, basketball, yes, yes, survivor, and even that weird sport where they do the hurdles and jump puddles in track and field. All right, maybe not that one, but from the college to the pros and from the rings to the rink, we've got you covered. Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio, we are back at you. Ian, you with us? Yeah, yeah. Ian, how's it going? Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for all of our listeners? All right, hey guys, Ian Cummings here from Rigo's Rags, Washington Redskins fan sided site. Happy to be here. Appreciate you having having you. We get to kick it off, and I thought obviously uh, we'll get it, we'll get into it as we go here. But being our hometown Minnesota Vikings acquired Kirk Cousins, I thought the Redskins oh, yeah. was a great start to the uh, to the way that we we wanted to go about this. <laughs> we need a little bit of the what's next type thing. Obviously, we—I mean, we know what was next, but thoughts coming in and out of it. But uh, I, I'm excited to talk football. Once that draft kicks off, it's just boom, boom, boom. It feels like everything's going. We do this for about 18 weeks, and we'll do one or two teams a week. And and next thing you know, we're, we wrap up usually with the Vikings, and we're like, well, the season's next Sunday, <laughs> and then it's—I mean, it's football. <laughs> so that's why we're all here to talk. Um, I mentioned the draft. I think that's a perfect way to start because I will say right off the bat, I thought the Redskins did one of the best jobs in the NFL draft, hands down. Deron Payne picked at 13. Darius Geis getting him in the second round I thought was a steal. Um, How big of an impact is Darius Geis going to put out right off the bat for this team who had such a 
not necessarily a need for running back, but nobody could stay healthy type running back system. Yeah, I think Darius Geis is going to come and start right away. And You know, I think you look at our running back situation for the past few years, we've settled for less than good the past, like, three years. Like, we started Matt Jones after Alfred Morris left. Then we started Robert Kelly, undrafted free agent. These are guys who can do well kind of spot starting, but they they all have personnel deficiencies. They're not as quick, not really good vision. Geis is that complete back that we haven't had since Clinton Portis and bringing him in and providing Chris Thompson with that kind of compliment. Uh, People are already trying to come up with nicknames for that duo because (laughs) I'm not lying. That duo has the potential to be one of the better ones in the NFL. So I think Geis, he's got – crazy balance through contact he's a physical angry runner but he's got quickness to the line too and I think that kind of that well-rounded game is really going to help getting him in the second round is even better because I had him as a first round talent I had him as a mid first round talent so to get him that late it was crazy I was psyched when it happened yeah I I think when uh we taught we did a, a mock draft with with callers the, the Tuesday before the draft and he went late first round to a team like I don't know. He might have went to Pittsburgh as a Le'Veon Bell replacement. Yeah. Somebody made, you know, something like that. I mean, it was, it was one of those where I'm like, yeah, even that kind of felt low. Because I mean, that dude tore it up in, in LSU. I thought he was a great player, and I mean, that's a steal. That's that's one of the biggest steals of the draft. Um, obviously, six three three eleven, whatever you want to size him as. You got a beast in Deron Payne. Um, oh yeah. Real quick before we break down to Ron Payne, who are you hoping for with this 13th pick? Did you is this what you envisioned, or were you one of those people that that would have rather had Vita Va, or were you kind of hoping that Minka Fitzpatrick was just going to manage to slip a couple more spots? I'm glad you asked because uh, that was I had a whirlwind of emotions when that happened for sure. Uh, <laughs> leading up to the draft, I'd uh, I'd scouted a lot of the defensive linemen because. You know, I've I've always held true to the belief that the Redskins don't the, – the need at defensive line is kind of overplayed for them. They had Jonathan Allen and Matt Ioannidis last year uh, for the first five weeks, and those guys, when they were healthy, they were a great tandem. They stopped the run well, and they rushed the passer well. And they had depth behind them, but I didn't really appreciate uh, the value of having such a strong rotation – so when that 13th pick was coming up, I was hoping Minka Fitzpatrick would slide to them because he's, <laughs> he's got really good character. You know, he's, he's kind of the perfect player in my mind, and we need some help in the secondary. When the Dolphins took him, I was distraught for a little bit. I was like, man, the dream is dead. Derwin James <laughs> got there, though. And so Derwin James, I was like, all right, guys, don't screw this up. Get him. And then they got Deron Payne, and it, it took me a while to kind of cool down after that, but I warmed up to it. You know how we always warm up to stuff in the offseason, kind of yep. look at it in the best light, but – I, now, now that I've had time to think about it and actually look at our roster, uh, like with Deron Payne now, it looks super strong. I'm, I'm actually really excited, and I think we can depend on the defensive backs that we have. And you know, I'm just, I'm psyched because Deron Payne, his former teammate Jonathan Allen, you know, they played next to each other. You know, camaraderie. Yeah. They know each other's strengths and weaknesses. I think that's an underrated duo with Matt Ioannidis, Anthony Lanier, Tim Settle. That could be a really dangerous rotation, and I'm excited. And that's one of those things, too, where I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, once once those injuries happened, I mean, I don't think people take into enough consideration when they go, well, they had the worst rush defense in the NFL statistically. Well, they also lost yeah. starters early in the season, and that's not, 
you know, that's not something you just patch in when you when you lose two front four starters. I mean, that's a that's that's not a band aid, you know. So yeah, I think my my pet peeve is my pet peeve is when people use that thirty second rank run defense as a support for a defensive lineman in round one because I'm like, well, we lost two guys on the defensive line. We lost Zach Brown and Monte Nicholson, who are both really good in run support too. Uh, there were other guys who were injured too. Run defense is not just a defensive line thing. Having big guys on the defensive line, you know, that's that's where it starts. That helps. But when you lose a bunch of guys in the unit, cohesiveness, you know, it's not as strong. Uh, you know, I think all of that played a factor. I think we did need help on the defensive line with this deep draft class, as deep as it is. I mean, we got Tim Settle in round five. Come on, that's a steal. So I think yeah. with how deep this class is a defensive line, I think we could have afforded to take Derwin James in round one, but I'm really happy with Payne. He's got really good upside, like uh, sky-high upside. With Jim Tom Sula coaching him, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, and that, and that's one of those things, too, where I, I'm with you because it's like, okay, even if these big guys do stuff the run, if they get through, there's still, you know, seven other guys in the field that have to do their job. So you can't just yeah. blame it on, on this. Um, but I was I was kind of feeling for it, you know, and I was, I was thinking about it when we were kind of getting ready for our previews. I'm like, man – Mega Fitzpatrick can, can do a little bit of both. I know they list him as a safety, but he can play corner, and that could be a dangerous thing. But, you know, I, I think you're right on it. I mean, and the, the fact that, that Deron Payne can move through the tackle so well, um, you know, I, I know he's not he's not the greatest pass rusher per se, but I don't think that's something you can't develop and train. Um Another drafting, though, that I found interesting, especially talking with the, you know, you bring up Tim Settle, they grabbed two Alabama guys, they grabbed two Virginia Tech guys, they have Jonathan Allen, as you mentioned. Is this just coincidental, or were they actually kind of looking for, as you mentioned, the camaraderie? I I like to think that it was icing on the cake, because you look at uh, Deron Payne, his kind of, uh, his uh, profile, he's six, I think he's six two, three hundred, got really long arms, really athletic. So I think that upside played a role. I would have preferred him over Vita Vea just because, you know, Vita mm-hmm. Vea, he's the big guy. But I think Payne has a little more athletic upside, especially in our scheme. We have a we have a pretty versatile scheme. So we don't use those big nose tackles all the time. Getting a guy like Payne who can fill in there but also be an end, I think that versatility helps a little bit more. So, uh, But I think – uh, you know, you know the old scouting out adage: never scout the helmet. I mm-hmm. I hope the Redskins don't fall into that trap because <laughs> that could convince them to take a Alabama player like in later years who might not be as good as the best prospect on the board, but just because it's from that school. But this year, it definitely worked for them. And you know, they also drafted. Yeah, you said two Virginia Tech guys, uh, Tim Settle and Greg Stroman. They actually played at high school together and college together. So I, I wow. think. I think, yeah, I know, it's crazy, keeping teammates together. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, it's a, you know, I, I'm hoping it's an underrated uh, strategy, maybe that we just weren't thinking about. Uh, maybe they know something we don't. But uh, keeping those guys together and because they know their strengths and weaknesses, that's valuable. Uh, it's really, really minute differences and, uh, you know, changes and stuff. But it, it can add up and make a difference, I think. So you kind of mentioned the schemes here. How how comfortable and set are you on this this coaching staff? Obviously, you know, Jay Gruden at the helm. 
uh, Kavanaugh, the coordinator, uh, Minuski at the other one. Uh, what's kind of the mindset moving into this season? New quarterback, you know, new, hopefully running back, as you're kind of mentioned. So that's that's your whole middle half of your offense there. Yeah, I've I've always been a, a devout uh, supporter of Jay Gruden. I think he really hasn't gotten a fair shake in Washington thus far. I mean, you look at all his seasons, you know, injuries last year. Uh, he, he hasn't always had the personnel in certain areas, like on the defensive line. So I like Jay Gruden. He's a really smart offensive mind. Uh, when Sean McVay was here, he, of course, helped with that. He, he was the one who led to uh, Kirk Cousins' breakout season. But, uh, you know, Jay Gruden, he's got really good concepts as well. I think meshing him with Alex Smith, Smith is a more mobile guy. You can kind of use his versatility a little bit more and use that against defenses, help the run game. I think that could be big. Uh, in terms of positional coaches and stuff like that, I think Bill Callahan, he's he's doing good work with the offensive line. We had a sixth-round pick last year, Chase Roulier. Uh, he's he's starting at center now. Last year he was a sixth-round pick. He's starting. He actually played pretty well down the stretch. Got Jim Tamsula on the defensive line. Uh, Torian Gray on the defensive backs. Uh, he he actually coached up a former wide receiver, Quentin Dunbar. Dunbar could be starting opposite Josh Norman. So I think those guys are doing a lot of good work. I'm pretty confident in how they're going to develop. And uh, coordinators, Jay Gruden, he's kind of the guy who calls the plays on offense, I think. I think he's the guy who, like, checks off on him finally. Matt Cavanaugh has some input. So does quarterbacks coach Kevin O'Connell. So I think those guys, I think they work together pretty well. They've shown that in previous years. And then on defense, Greg Minuski, early last year, he brought the heat. He's really good at bringing the heat, uh, creative blitz packages, sub packages. So I'm excited to see what he can do with this upgraded personnel, especially on the defensive line. It's going to be interesting to see. So obviously when we talk about, you know, Sean McVay, who who's seeming to be the, the guy with the quarterbacks, how do you feel now moving into the season? It's a whole new regime. Uh, you know, as everybody knows, it's one of those extremely rare cases where a entire, or I shouldn't say an entire, but a, a in their prime ready franchise quarterback moves. I mean, the only one I can even really think of is, is what maybe Drew Brees leaving the Chargers years and years ago. But it it's so so non-expected. Alex Smith comes in, Kirk Cousins goes out. When that yeah, all went down, yeah, it's it's wild. Like I, I didn't even think of it that way. What was what was the <laughs> whole thought process while this happened? Like, were you welcoming it? Were you not wanting Smith and wanting to pay Cousins? I mean, what's been the kind of kind of mindset from Redskins fans? Well, uh, at first there was a little bit of backlash from the trade first happened. I remember I was actually, I was in my dorm room at college. I was just, I think I was doing homework. And then my other co-editor texted me. He's like, all caps, we traded for Alex Smith. I'm like, what the heck? What's going on here? So <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were covering that short-term notice, and we were trying to figure out what we traded to get him. And eventually we found out that it was uh, a third-round pick this year, which we eventually got, got back by trading back for Darius Geis, which that was – the best move in the entire draft, in my opinion. You get guys and a third-round pick by moving back. But uh, we also lost Kendall Fuller. He was a 2016 third-round pick. Uh, and he, he was our starter at slot cornerback, and he was actually one of the best guys in the slot in 2017. He had, like, four interceptions. So 
and like over 10 pass deflections. He was a really sticky cover man and he was really an ascending player. We lost him to the Chiefs. So people hated that part of the trade because anytime you lose a growing player in his prime, uh, you know, a playmaker, that's not good. But since then, uh, fans have really warmed up to Smith. Uh, they like his uh, direct nature a lot better than Kirk Cousins. I know Cousins, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know uh, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding Cousins in his future. To know that we have a guy, a quality quarterback for at least three years right now, I think that's good. Cousins kept playing on the franchise tag, franchise tag. That yeah. one year one, one year at a time thing, it really egged on the fan base and really wore them down. So uh, Alex Smith, you can tell he wants to be here. He's not thinking about, you know, what happens next. He's just worried about winning here. And uh, fans really appreciate that more than I expected. And and that's a good thing, too, because, you know, it's 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 definitely disheartening, disheartening losing your – your guy like that, but that everyone's happy. And, and to be fair, Alex Smith over the last few years has done a really good job with mediocre quarter or corner or wide receivers. Why am I trying to say cornerbacks? I mean, you know, the <laughs> Macklin thing in, in Kansas City didn't help. But, you know, it didn't work very well. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he had Travis Kelsey, but now it is healthy. Kill, too. Yeah, the, okay, that's true. I forgot about Tyree Kill, you know. But, like, he, well, other than he that, never had – I mean, I don't remember if he was there at the tail end of the Dwayne Bowe years, but I remember Bowe and Macklin were going, like, 10 games without touchdowns. And, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't do that. And you can't – you're not giving your guy any support. And I think Kirk Cousins showed that, you know, he, he can he, – he, he's fine with Jamison Crowder and Josh Doxson. So, I think, I think yeah. Smith will be fine. And the Travis Kelsey bit brings me to this. Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, obviously the two names in there. Can we count on a full season finally from Jordan Reed, or is this going to be another two- or three-man show? At this point, Ryan, I am hesitant to commit to anything like that uh, because we go through that same dance every offseason. You know, we're like, okay, well, Jordan Reed, he got injured last year, but he's coming back. Don't worry. We, we, we trick ourselves into thinking that every year, so I think – I think it's better to kind of prepare as if he will be injured. That way, if he actually is healthy, then you're pleasantly surprised. I mean, that's just my opinion. <laughs> but uh, we've we, we've got to look at who we've got behind Reed. Uh, Vernon Davis, obviously, he's he's aging. I think he's 34 years old. He's going to be 34. Uh, so he's at any point really he could fall off, and because you know those older players, you know, age might just be a number for Davis, but at some point there's going to be that breaking point where he just, you know, his production just isn't the same. Maybe he's not as durable. Uh, I do like Vernon Davis because you remember back in San Francisco, he was Alex Smith's favorite target as well. So that, I think that reunion is a little underrated thus far. I think that could be a pretty good quarterback tight end duo. And then also we've got Jeremy Sprinkle behind him, uh, fifth round pick last year. He's got really good traits for the tight end position, 6'5", 256 or something. Uh, and he ran a four six something forty yard dash. So he's got the size and speed to contribute as a receiver. I think with another year of development, he can come in. But going back to Reed, uh, he's always injured, and it's it's all over. It's not like a recurring thing, like a knee injury or whatever. It's concussion. It's hamstring. He's just banged up all over. I'm hesitant to commit to him being healthy. That's why you got to look at the other options, and you got to make sure that they're prepared to fill in for Reed because more likely than not, he's going to miss some time. 
And and I, I to be fair, I thought Vernon Davis too did a, a serviceable job last season. Oh yeah. Um, you could even argue it was one of the you know better than what we had seen out of him. I had a, a buddy of ours uh, is a big big Vernon Davis fan when the Niners drafted him, and after a few years, it's like man, <laughs> that was that was a little bit of a letdown from the hype behind him. So I I think yeah. and it's a good system. I mean, it's a good system. Uh, obviously, we moved to the other guys catching the balls. Wide receiver core seems a little young, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. How do you feel about your wideouts heading into this season? You know, I think there's a lot that's still left to be written on our wide receiving core. Josh Doxson, he was a 2015 first-round pick, so uh, he's already 25 years old. But I think with a new quarterback, it'll be interesting to see how he meshes because we know Doxson has the athleticism. He's just never been able to consistently put it together. Maybe this is the year. But, of course, you say that every off season, So, you got to prepare. you got to prepare uh, for letdowns. you got to be prepared. And the Redskins did that in free agency and in the draft. Uh, you know, Paul Richardson from Seattle, he's a guy who's had some injury concerns, but he brings speed that we really lacked last season. Uh, we had Deshaun Jackson before. He was a guy who could take the top off the defense, kind of like a Tyreek Hill, and, like, get separation. That's important. We, we've had slow wide receivers who can't get separation. Even Jamison Crowder, you know, he's quick, but he doesn't always have the top end speed. So getting Paul Richardson, I think, is really important. And then Jamison Crowder in the slot, he's a good guy. But another guy I want to mention, uh, a, lot of, a lot of draft recaps, they only grade drafts on, like, the first three picks. Trey Quinn, Mr. Irrelevant for the Washington Redskins, that was honestly <laughs> my favorite pick in the entire draft. And that's saying something because I loved the guy's pick. But – you look at Jameson Crowder's contract, uh, he's due for an extension next year. And with the Jarvis Landry contract in Cleveland, with that resetting the slot receiver market, Crowder might be asking for a bit too much uh, for the Washington Redskins taste. Trey Quinn is a guy, uh, six foot, 200, who can come in, uh, contribute in the slot and on the outside. He's got really good hands. He had 113 catches in the senior season. Really good route runner. I think Quinn is an underrated uh, guy there. I think I honestly think he's a roster lock because of the role that he serves. He's like Crowder Insurance. I think he's such a safe pick. He could be one of Alex Smith's favorite targets just because you know he's coming down with the catch. So I like I like Quinn. I think he's good. I like Crowder. I like Doxon and Richardson, and we got some depth there too with Robert Davis, Maurice Harris, uh, Brian Quick. So we'll see how it shakes out. I think this receiving core has upside, but there's a lot that's still left to play out. You know, you don't want to commit to too much success, but I think Smith can make them better. I think Jay Gruden can make them better. We will see what happens, but they've got upside. That That's for sure. When you, and the one thing too, I always like about, you know, with the new quarterback in a system where they draft wide receivers, it's, you know, Alex Smith has got to find the guy that he gels with. I mean, who would have, who would have thought, I know it's, I know it's a, a few rounds difference, but who would have thought Cooper cup would have become such a valuable asset to the Rams with Jared Goff figuring yeah. it out that they were able to move on from everyone, you know? So like, it, you're not, you're not wrong with this. I mean, it's so, it's so wide open with, with this new quarterback. And, and I think that's, I think that's nice. And I, I agree with you on docs. And I remember that same draft, I believe we took Laquan Treadwell and, I've been waiting for oh. him to play more than I think five snaps uh, every other week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Oh, it's been you know, we look at how Doxon has performed in Washington, and then we're like, man, he he's kind of been a letdown. And then you go look at Laquan Treadwell. It's like he could have done worse. So I, I hope oh, Treadwell. Oh, oh, oh man, we we were in. I, I was in Vegas, and we were covering the draft at a at a Tom's Urban, and this is at the point where people were buying us shots because it was later in the draft and people had left that we were talking to and doing the show with kind of a thing. And I remember Laquan Treadwell got drafted and I was like running around Tobbs urban, like we're winning the super bowl. And I went on <laughs> NFL.com and I pre-ordered a Treadwell Jersey that day. And boy, oh boy, I still have it, but I, I wish he would Wait. do what I'd hoped he would have. We had a sound <laughs> bit for a while that was cropped of Teddy Bridgewater throwing a pass, and then I cropped in Treadwell catching a pass in college. Oh, it's God. Yeah. Now I'm sad, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> um, I got I got yep. two quick things to ask you before I turn it over to Jordan to talk some defense. Jordan's back with us here. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, we touched on it a little bit, but how much of a rotation do you think we're going to see if Rob Kelly and Darius guys stay healthy, are we going to get, you know, or Chris Thompson stays healthy? Are we going to get a lot of, a lot of any of Samar JP run? I mean, Elijah Wellman, I know coming in here, new Martez Carter. I mean, six guys I think are, are a good amount for a, a depth chart, but I also think it's a safe route knowing what we've seen. Yeah, I think, um, I think they're they're going to go with four there. I think just with the injury issues, you, you know, you always want to be safe. But I think Darius Geis will be the guy on first and second down. He come in on third down as well. But Chris Thompson is that guy you bring in on third down as a change of pace guy is that kind of spark plug for you. So I think he's the pass catching back too. So they'll rotate those guys nicely. Uh, I think Samaje, if I had to choose between P. Ryan and Kelly, I think the Redskins would honestly go with Samaj P. Ryan. He's he's the younger player, and he's got a little bit better vision, a little quicker. Not too much of a difference, but uh, I think that P. Ryan's got more upside at this point, you know, fourth-round pick last year. So I think they'd bring him in for goal line snaps, uh, maybe third, second, and short. So I think he can provide value there. Uh, if they keep a fourth one, it's either going to be another spark plug guy like Capri Bibbs or Martez Carter. Like you said, Carter, uh, Jacob Kamaker, the other guy at Riggles Rag, he uh, wrote a good article the other day about how Martez Carter could have a similar impact to Tariq Cohen. Now, obviously, they're different players. Mm. Cohen, is a he was a third-round pick for the Bears. Uh, Carter was undrafted, so a little bit of a gap there. But, you know, if we can kind of harness that potential, Carter is a quick, small guy, really elusive. He could be a good add there, but – of course, he's got an uphill battle because it's a deep depth chart. Capri Bibbs is also a guy who flashed late in the season last year. But um, you also brought up Elijah Wellman. I actually want to talk about Rob Kelly because they could move Rob Kelly to fullback. You know, if if they like him enough, if they want to keep That's him, they don't want to let move. him go. Yeah, because he's a big guy. He's not super fast, but you know he can hold his own. He, he he's a good blocker too. He's a willing, able blocker. So I think you move him there. You know, that could be that could be an under-the-radar move, I think. And I think keeping Geis as the workhorse first and second down, Thompson as the third down receiving back who can really uh, enhance the versatility of the offense, and then P. Ryan as the change-of-pace guy, Capri Bibbs as just depth, a guy who can also come in and change the pace. I think, I think that could be a good rotation. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen, but 
there's a lot up in the air uh, with those third and fourth guys. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think in my mind, if you ask me to put it together, that's what I see happening. So last thing I, I got for you on the offense here, and I, I want to do this last because I felt like if there was a trade scenario, the Vikings won this. Uh, we thank you for Kirk Cousins, but we appreciate yeah, yeah. you taking, taking T.J. Clemens from us. Uh, we call him T.J. Turnstile. <laughs> Because this dude oh, yeah. couldn't block anyone to save his life. That was the same thing last year. <laughs> yep. I hope, like, honestly, like, I, I, in a couple of my articles, I compared him to a revolving door. It's just like, it's crazy. He just lets him by. Oh, my God. I know. God. I don't understand why we signed him, man. <laughs> like, so, what's your feeling with this O-line putting this all together for this offense? Uh, I think... Overall, it's a solid unit. Trent Williams, the left tackle, he he played at a Pro Bowl level with a Jello knee last year. So I think it's safe to say if he can stay healthy, he's a he's a pretty good player for us. You know, all pro, the perennial guy. You know, you love to have him. Brandon Sheriff, a right guard, he's another guy who's just really high echelon player. He he drives blockers back and stuff. And I think he's a guy who can really be essential in our run game. At center, Chase Royer. Uh, sixth round pick last year. I said he's um he's going to be ascending in his second year. I think he can come in and uh, start right away and kind of excel at that position. And then Morgan Moses at right tackle. He's another quality starter. The one uh, the one gap I see in this offensive line is at left guard. You know we don't really know who's going to start there. Uh, there's some candidates that re-signed Sean Laval. I really hope they don't start Laval because they've been trying to replace him for three years, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. They've also got Ari Quanjo. Uh, he's a fourth-round pick back in 2015. Uh, still waiting on him to develop, but I've heard he's doing better this offseason. And then you've got a bunch of undrafted free agent guys like Kyle Callis, uh, Tyler Catalina, Sean Welsh. Uh, so, the left guard position is really up in the air. They also could move Ty and Seiki after they drafted swing tackle Jerron Christian in the third round. They could move Ty and Seiki to guard. They've done that in the past and it worked. Uh, but that's the question mark. But overall, as a unit, it's going to be good. It's going to be decent no matter what. Now the left guard position, you know, you you don't you always want to shore up holes in your offensive line, so that's going to be important that they try as hard as they can to do that. Overall, though, I like the unit. Anytime you got two guys like Sheriff and Williams, it's gonna it's gonna elevate the uh, the unit as a whole. So I like where they're at there. They definitely improved depth. They re-signed Tony Bergstrom. Uh, T.J. Clemmings needs to go, but uh, they might have prepared for that with Jerron Christian. So I think I think they're uh, I think they're moving in the right direction. Uh, and I think with another year of coaching from Bill Callahan. Uh, I think this unit, especially with Alex Smith getting the ball out quick, uh, running when he needs to, I think, I think it could be a good match, and I think it could work out well in 2018. That's awesome, Ian. Uh, again, appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, defensive side of the ball, you know, go from one one side of the line to the other. Uh, the three four. Do you think it's something that needs to come to an end with your abundance of uh, we'll call them uh, D linemen, or do you want to uh, do you still want to run it and think this nose tackle is going to make the deal for you? Yeah, uh, interesting you bring that up. I think the 3-4, the traditional 3-4 has already ended for the Washington Redskins. Uh, Yeah, everyone likes to say they're in a 3-4, but you look at how they played last year. More often than not, instead of going with the nose tackle and then Allen and Ioannidis and then Kerrigan and Smith, they went with 
Allen and Ioannidis as the defensive tackles in the middle, and then Kerrigan and Smith as the guys with their hands in the dirt on the edge, uh, a 4-3 nickel alignment. And they were in that alignment more than half of the time. They were wow. not in their base 3-4. Now, uh, now, as we mentioned earlier, they drafted two nose tackles in the draft. Deron Payne, he's got the athleticism and the length to kind of anchor that nose position. And then Tim Settle, he's just huge, so he can line up there too. I think they'll line up there more uh, – in terms of how it fits the personnel, I think that versatility is key, kind of keeping the offense on their toes and stuff. I think I think lining up that way, uh, you want to put your best players on the field and a line uh, rotation of Allen and Ioannidis on the ends with uh, Kerrigan and Smith on the uh, edge, rushing the edge, and then Deron Payne in the middle, that's a 3-4 alignment that I can get on board with. So I think uh, – I think – Keeping this hybrid scheme, the one that Greg Minuski worked with last year, I think it can work, uh, especially with the personnel that we got in this draft. So, I don't think it's I don't think it's going away quite yet. If it doesn't work, then we need to start talking about making a long-term switch. But for now, I think uh, it deserves another year. Kind of see how everything coalesces, and then we'll go from there. Now, uh, you know, that, uh, that, goes, that coincides a little bit with my next question here. Uh, obviously, the passing yards, you know, you finished top 10 as far as against the pass goes, but the rushing yards dead last, giving up 134 a game, um, most in the league as far as that goes. What do you think the answer is going to be there uh, going into this season? Well, obviously, uh, Deron Payne, that was how he made a living uh, in college. He even said in a press conference when he joined the Redskins, he's like, that's what I do for a living, so you don't need to worry about it. So I think Payne can come in and anchor that position right away. Keeping Jonathan Allen healthy will also be key, but not just that, just keeping the defense healthy in general. Uh, you know, Zach, like I said earlier, losing Zach Brown and Monte Nicholson hurt as well. But with a stronger defensive line rotation, more often than not, I think we're going to get contact at the first level, and that'll be important. That'll be really important to stimmy that run attack that we're uh, opposing. So I think having those big bodies up front, Tim Settle, Deron Payne, those guys that anchor the unit, because without that, they can just go right up the middle, make some cuts to the outside, and boom, next thing you know, you're averaging uh, losing 130 rush yards a game. So. I think getting those guys who can kind of get contact at the point of attack, I think that's big. Uh, it's not it's not the whole equation, but it's the first and most important step. And I think pain and settle will be key there. Also, Allen and Ioannidis and Lanier, just the big guys on the defensive line, getting that rotation in and making sure that they don't leave any holes open. No, absolutely. You know, obviously getting into that uh, that passing touch a little bit. Obviously, Josh Norman anchors that and goes without any with no sort of uh, qualifiers. He's he's definitely gonna you know be the the guy that quarterbacks don't throw towards. It's yeah. Factual. Yeah. Uh, where, where do you see that uh, shaping up behind him though? What, who's gonna Who's gonna be uh, you know being that second corner or even uh, safety to to kind of withhold some of these deep passes that the league obviously is, is about nowadays. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you asked because uh, this secondary is really interesting. Uh, it's a lot of intrigue, a lot of question marks. Obviously, we lost Bashad Breedland. He was a above-average starter for us. Uh, losing him is kind of, you know, it's an underrated loss because he, he came in, uh, he gave good effort, and he was really good in run support, really good getting his hands on the ball. So that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough act to follow. Uh, the next guys in line at quarterback – to take that number two spot. We've got a gap. We've got a void at number two cornerback and slot. I like Quentin Dunbar. 
to take the number two job. A lot of people like Fabian Moreau. He was our third rounder last year. We just love third round quarterbacks. I don't know why, but uh, Moreau, he he had some first round hype around him last year. Uh, some injury knocked him back to the third round. He's a physical guy. A guy who plays with attitude. He's a guy who has uh, he's really fast. Has good play speed, but. I like Dunbar better. Uh, Dunbar, he was an undrafted free agent in 2015, former wide receiver, actually. Uh, Jay Gruden switched him to cornerback in, in a press conference later on. He's like, yeah, he was a terrible wide receiver, so I'm glad it worked out at corner. But uh, Quentin Dunbar, he's kind of developed over the years, and uh, he's got the links, 6'2", uh, 200. He's athletic, and he can move well. Wide receivers, a lot of wide receivers can kind of move well at that at 6'2". 6'3", so Quentin Dunbar, Dunbar has that mobility, and every year he's getting better. Last year, he filled in for Norman and Breedland when they were injured, and he actually performed very well. He was kind of he was uh, really sticky in coverage, and he's got the length to be disruptive, and I think that's key. That's something you can build around, something you develop. I like Dunbar at the number two spot opposite Josh Norman. I think that can be a really good duo if they reach their potential. In the slot, that's a bit of a question mark. We signed Orlando Scandrick, Dallas Cowboys. He's got experience there. Joshua Holdy, seventh-round pick last year. Uh, he impressed coaches in that position last offseason. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he can make the leap. Greg Stroman is also a possibility. Uh, he, he was a bit underrated, I think, in the draft process. He's very underweight, so he needs to tack on some weight. But he's a sticky, you know, I, I keep saying sticky cover man, but I think on Pro Football Focus, they said Stroman uh, allowed a passer rating of 26.8 to opposing quarterbacks in 2017 in college. So he's he's no pushover. I think he could actually vie for that starting role. That's not just a testament to Stroman's skills, but also uh, recognizing how thin we are at that position and how unproven. So there's a lot of tumult that we're in for. I really think anything could happen there. So we'll definitely wow. see what happens, but that's some potential for sure. I like it, Ryan. So, take it. real quick before we let you go here, I always got to ask everyone this: If you had to look at the crystal ball, what's your prediction for the season? Ah, uh, that's uh, that's an interesting question. We've got a <laughs> we've got a couple easy, easy games early on. I think we can I think we can handle the Cardinals and the Colts pretty easily, but uh, the NFC East is not an easy division to win. And uh, we've got some. We're playing the NFC South, I think, too. So I don't remember what other division we're playing, but We've got some tough games lined up. I think if we stay healthy, if we stay healthy, this might just be my off-season optimism showing. Uh, I don't know, but I can see 11 and five if we stay healthy. Uh, if if because this roster, you know, we really improved the depth this season. We lost a lot of guys, but that draft was very strong. And I think, I think with the coaching staff we have in place, I think they can make the most out of it. If injuries hit. Even just a little bit, I think it could throw the rhythm awry. Uh, if if that's the case, we're looking at seven and nine, eight and eight. That's what the Redskins have done the past like three years. So, nothing new to DC fans, but uh, <laughs> it'll be disappointing to get that stay in that rut. But I, I definitely think with Alex Smith at the helm and with all this ascending young talent, you know, I think we have a lot of potential. Now, rarely does a team reach its full potential in the season, so. We're just going to have to wait and see. Realistically, nine and seven or ten and six—that's that's the range I'm going in. But if we can stay healthy and if we can get on a roll, then I think uh, we can surprise a lot of people. And that's the well, key with the squad. 
as much as people talk about, you know, the you know, well, the Eagles defending champions, you know, blah blah blah, and so and so is going to be healthy and all that. That NFC East every year is a crap shot. You never know oh, yeah. when these teams play each other. So, you know, we we've team seen teams. Won. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, a team hasn't won back-to-back NFC East championships, I think, for almost two decades. It's it's always a guess. I think the last time yeah. they had the Eagles in the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just wild with you know you can get a nine win team to win the division, so yeah, I think you guys got a great shot. I mean you guys definitely could do it. Definitely could do it. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> plug again everything you got. You know, Facebook, Twitter, website, everything. People can read you, shoot your questions the whole nine yards. I had a blast chatting with you tonight, sir. Yeah, yeah, had a blast coming on. Yeah, you, you guys can find me at a Rigos Rag, R-I-G-G-O apostrophe S, R-A-G, uh, fan side, it's Washington Redskins site. You can also find me on Twitter, Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. So you can follow me there, check up on all the latest Washington Redskins content, uh, try to keep it updated, but that's about it. That's about it for me. That's where you can find me, and I really appreciate you coming on and giving you guys some insight. Oh, it was, it was tremendous. We'll uh, we'll we'll get the we'll get a link out for the show so all your fans and uh, everyone can listen to it and every everybody that's got stuff. So appreciate the great insight and we'll uh, we'll ch- we'll chat again because that was that was a lot of fun. I, I'm excited talking Redskins again with you, sir. Yeah, yeah. If you ever want to know what you're getting in Kirk Cousins, uh, hit me up. I'm I'm a pretty big <laughs> fan of him. So. Hey, we may have to have you on one more time than before week one because I may be discussing <laughs> things. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. We'll chat soon. Yeah, thank you. Right. Guys, that was Ian Cummins, Fantastic insight. I I mean, you know, this is the thing we say every year, Jordan. We get these great, great team previews, and we're like, oh, that team might be good. That team might rock and roll. And, you know, not the biggest Redskins fan, but I'm excited. I like, hey, you know, this this just kicks off uh, obviously a great thing, and it, it was definitely cool to have Ian on. I like uh, I like the defensive stuff, man. I like I like knowing uh, you know his thoughts on that uh, that three four switch, and uh, I, I'm I'm curious I'm curious to see if uh, Deron Payne can be that big nose tackle, uh, and, and and stuff that stuff that hole for some of these uh you know these running backs who who got loose on these uh, these Redskins last year. So uh, we got a real, we got a new get to know him here. We're gonna drop on you real quick. I didn't get any of the commercial breaks uploaded, so we came out to the Bullet Club theme earlier, Jordan. We're just gonna I, play one more of the, the commercials before we come in, because the uh, the Capitals finally hung in there and, won, and made it to the conference finals in 20 years. I was gonna try to download since we didn't have a third song, "Hanging Tough" by New Kids on the Block. Um, (laughs) but obviously I got home a little too late and we both have had a couple, uh, physical issues before showtime. So it was what it was, but we're going to hit you with our get to know him this week. It's another hometown guy. And we come back NBA NHL playoffs before we let you go tonight. Take it away. Hagberg. This week, and it's a player that I, along with so many others, are excited about, and that is pitcher Fernando Romero from the Minnesota Twins. Very few times should we overreact to a 23-year-old pitcher making their first few starts in the big leagues, but I believe this is a rare exception. Since being called up last week, Romero has been flawless, surrendering zero runs across 11 and two-thirds innings pitched. And by the way, he had 14 punch-outs in that stretch as well. 
including nine of them last night against the second-best team in the National League, the St. Louis Cardinals. Along with his upper 90s fastball and nasty movement, his story and perseverance stands out amongst everything. The Houston Astros notably had a chance to sign him for $200,000, a scout later adding, the kid's not worth it. The Twins signed him for $260,000, and the rest is history. At 6 feet 215 pounds, Romero has gone overlooked many times in his young career. However, one team's trash may be the Twins' treasure to soon become the ace the franchise has been looking for. Missing out on an awesome Uh-oh. show sucks. SeatGeek is an app that lets you track your favorite artists and notifies you when they announce new shows nearby. You can even connect your favorite music services so that you never miss out again. SeatGeek, the smart way to buy tickets. Fan of pro wrestling like we are? Yeah. We got you covered. Yeah. From WWE, yeah. New Japan, yeah. Ring of Honor, Impact, Lucha Underground, All Japan, and more. We're talking the highs and lows in pro wrestling. Heck, we're even giving you people from the Okadas and Omega. We're even talking the Bone Soldiers and Enzo Amoris. Sorry, Daniel. We'll stick to guys like this. Ryan Cook here, and you can check me out along with my co-host Alex Mello each Monday night. 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the Strong Style Media Network. Okay, I'm going to get that jersey for Steven. Oh, that Michigan sweatshirt is perfect for Susie. Ryan is going to love this hat. Fanatics.com has great gifts for all the sports fans in your life. Go to Fanatics.com right now and get free shipping and up to 10% cash back on absolutely everything. Every sport, every team. Fanatics.com, where sports fans shop. Calling all fight fans worldwide. My name is Elijah McNeil. And I'm one half of the best boxing podcast on the net. The one and only Standing Eight Count Radio. Do you like hard-hitting commentary, analysis, and banter? Tune in on Sundays at 10 p.m. with my co-host, Ryan the Technical Legend Cook, and I break it down. That's Standing Eight Count Radio, 10 p.m. Sundays, Strong Style Media. Let's see. Call Ashley. Yeah, it's about time you call that girl. No, no, no. He just talked to that girl two hours ago. You got to let love marinate. Put love in that bag to marinate. Mmm, love going to be in that bag like, mm, I can't wait to talk to him tomorrow. What? And then after it marinates, no, you're going to pull it out. Jamie, who's Alexa? Say it. Say it, Jamie. You and Alexa. That's right. I'm Alexa. Thanks, guys. But I'll take it from here. Yes, oh, that one for you, Jordan. That was, that was pretty lit. 
that was, that was, was, that my, was that my guy? Was that uh, was that Shinsuke? Yeah, he he turned heel and they gave him a uh, a like vocal version. By the way, I'm on my phone now because as I was uh, setting up that tweet for uh, for Ian, there was like, nah, you just been kicked off. So I'm on my telly right now. <laughs> Dang, that's <laughs> trying to get back in. <laughs> like, thanks, uh, thanks, Alexa. You can take it from here, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, so, uh, what do we want to get in uh, for the second bit here? I mean, obviously NHL. I think NBA are the big two. Um, gosh, I mean, there's been extreme surprises in both. I think. I think it's yeah. an easy way to put it. You know what I mean? How about we uh, let's 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 touch the hard court. Well, you know what? No, no, no. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the ice first. We'll we'll go from Washington to Washington. Ah, look at that connection. Yeah, what can connection. I say? It's, it's like it's it how, it's like how it's they. Trying to... I make some good ideas here sometimes. Good ideas. Pay that man <laughs> money. Um, yeah. well, obviously, I, I, no, I can still do that though from here. <laughs> no, here it is. Pay Please. that man his money. Yes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's so good. We can um, still. That man, his money. That's so good. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, one. I mean, great series for six games. Uh, the final goes to overtime. The Capitals get uh, their final, finally moment in regards to a uh, escape of the second round, as well as a win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. What uh, What do you take away from this series? Um, um, I think there's a few. There we go. Hey, we're back. In, I'm back and I'm back and I'm back and I'm back in the booth. That was my uh, Joel Santana. Um, uh, you know, I think there's a few things that, that are actually worth taking away. One that I, I touched on heavily last week that um, Brayton Holpe coming in. I thought that was huge. Uh, we saw the, you know, Philip Grubauer did nothing and you know, look look what happened. I mean, they they beat Pittsburgh. <laughs> I don't know what else you want from Brayden Holpe. He finally got him over the hump. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov gets the seventh of the series in overtime, um, yeah. and it was short, like, like five minutes in. at him. <laughs> Did you see that final goal? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I, like Pittsburgh. Like I can't remember who it was, but like I swear to God, somebody threw their stick to try and deflect it away. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, well, let's just risk him getting a penalty shot. Um, but I mean, Kuznetsov gets his seventh. Orlov and Ovechkin set him up. I think it was something like five minutes into overtime, so it was nice and quick. But look at these numbers, and, and I say this for a huge reason. Um, uh, let's, let, what's the easiest way I can do it? Let's, let's go right into this. And I think this is going to be a telling, telling spot of this whole, this whole playoffs. And I think that whole series, um, Matt Murray, let's have six goals in game five. Let's have four in game six. Wasn't much better before. Um, two, four, three goals against average for the playoffs. I mean, yeah. not you know, not not what you want from this. Now, mind you, yes, he did he did win you those you know the, the last two cups, but I mean, like I said, you let up the game winner. It was a close game. You blow it. You let up the six goals. The game before that, you guys did get the victory. He only let up one, but they let up four 
in game three. They let up four in game two. And even in game one, it was a 3-2 game. Did not play well at all. Yeah. If you're Pittsburgh, after that six-goal game, I'm doing what they with Washington with Philip Grubauer. I'm pulling Martin Murray, and I'm going, look, man, six goals is not going to cut it. We're going to go a different route. But they don't have a team motivator in the net anymore. They don't have a good, solid second goalie. Because that guy's got a one five five goals against average or some crazy number, and he's got Vegas in the conference finals. And I think that's the biggest story of this playoffs. Is they let Mark Andre Fleury walk, and he's got what three or four shutouts in the playoffs right now? Yeah, that, he's the best in the conference finals. Best save yeah. percentage, the best. I mean, he's. I, don't know, he's, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I, there, there's there, he could for the playoffs. If you go, I mean, you could legitimately make a, uh, I mean, just probably one of the best playoff runs a goalie's ever had. I guarantee it. And, you know, and, and obviously, I mean, you, you, you're going to, you got to compare it up with the Jaguar, the year that he got three shutouts in four games against the Wild in the conference finals. You got to look at the Jonathan Quick when they were the eighth seed and how well he did. Um, yeah. Even the Mike Richter and Martin Brodeur early 90 runs in 95 and 96 for the Rangers and Devils. But you're comparing them against solid competition. And I think that's the main, main focus is this guy was like, ah, I know he's a team leader. We got this young dude, and I get all that. I totally get all that. But you, you know, you got to have a second goalie. And you got lucky striking magic with Martin Murray, the first cup run. But if Murray goes down, who's going to backstop that team and losing your motivator. I mean, I I know we didn't talk about it a lot during the regular season, but I think he did a big part in Vegas staying motivated and staying as a cohesive unit. And now he's bringing that playoff expertise. I mean, he's, he's won three, he's been a part of three Stanley cup teams anchored the one against the Red Wings and lost in seven the year before they won their first one against the Red Wings as well. So, I mean, he's played in four cups, one, three, Yeah. whether he started the last two or not, that's experience. And he's transitioning it And you know, this isn't the NBA where you go, well, he beat the East. Okay. Yeah. I understand that they beat the Kings who were the, you know, the last seed to get in. So I get that. Um, I understand he beat the beat the Sharks, who was the other wild card. So he beat both wild card teams. So I understand you can throw that at him as well. Let's see what happens when he plays Winnipeg and Nashville. I get that. And I agree with that. Let's see what happens when when Vegas plays a team like that after Game Seven tomorrow night. But you can't take away even if it was them beating two scrub teams that he's still skating come the end of the week and Pittsburgh's at home. I, uh, I, and honestly, I like, I, I understand what you're saying with that jazz, if you will, but, uh, I refuse to believe that, uh, I mean, this is not, this is a little, it's different than basketball period. You know what I mean? You can't, you look at the, uh, the, the quote unquote wildcard teams in these, uh, in these leagues, the sharks had a hundred points. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all right. The sharks, the sharks had a hundred, they're, they're 20 games above 500. I, I think. <laughs> No, this is the same with the Kings. The Kings had 98 points. This is not like this is not this is not a team limping in. This is not a 500 team somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, uh, 
that, that's just that's just what it comes down to. But uh, so I'm I'm going to give them more credit to be honest. But what I will say is, as far as going with the Kings, they also had the benefit of being the only expansion team. Uh, they 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 had the the oh, pick of the litter uh, as far as it goes uh, from teams, and they took advantage of it. And they they built a wonderful team that's fun to watch. That's got great balance, depth. They got some young scores. They got guys like Hala, who by and large, I'm hoping he gets one because you know what, dude. Dude was awesome when we, when he when we had his chance to play here. Couldn't get a line to quite run with him, but uh, he, uh, he. I hope he gets one. You know, so so kudos. Period. They 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 definitely had a great advantage in that, but uh, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. There is no excuses. They're still an expansion team. And they're still doing fantastic things. Shout out yeah. to Las Vegas. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent too. And boy, are we looking stupid for not putting twenty bucks in that two fifty to one like we were talking about. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, speaking Boy, of some odds here, and you're talking about the Western uh, Conference Final. Uh, one, well, real, one, quick uh, too, real quick before, before we jump off it, because I, I really want to, I want to piggyback off of what you said, because you, you made a great point that, that has been a huge point that I've had on, as being a proprietor of this team, is if you look at the NHL right now, when your eighth and ninth best guys that get taken off your team are playing this well, it shows how far the NHL has grown. And I think in one aspect, you know, these players are, are more ready sooner in the NHL because of the fact that the coaching and the systems and the, you know, just, just the, the camps and everything is so much better. And, you know, these kids are becoming athletes so much faster, but I, I truly want somebody to continue to tell me that, Hockey is not a, a not a good sport or not a competitive sport or nobody cares about hockey. If nobody cared about hockey, you know, you look at the San Jose Sharks, I believe they came in in 1991. They were the 21st team in the NHL or 22nd team in the NHL. They were the only expansion team that year, and they didn't pick anything worth a damn. I mean, I think Pat Falloon was their best player. You know, so like they didn't, and they didn't, they had the worst record in the history of the NHL. So it's not like now where these guys go and they're one of the top five teams in the league because of how good this talent is. So people saying that people aren't into hockey, I think is false because you're getting these guys that are able to come in so well because better athletes are choosing to play hockey over other sports. And Bringing in a front office like that accentuates your point even more, accentuates the point of when you have one team instead of two, like, you know, Nashville and Columbus or Minnesota, Atlanta or Tampa and Ottawa or Anaheim and Florida, things like that. The the eight teams that came after San Jose to make it 30, every one of them were competing against each other with draft picks. Yep. Vegas just went in there and said, all right, look at this talent we get to pick from. Oh, once again, I'll say his name. We get Mark Andre Fleury and Jonathan Marchessault and James Neal and Will or uh, William Carlson. Like it just keeps going. It's it's a great team. But uh, you had odds. I, I didn't mean to rant too much, but I thought it was such a great point. I wanted to run and jump on it. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, odds. Uh, one of the fun things, uh, obviously, going into a game seven, uh, Nashville at home. I'm going to ask about it, but uh, uh, the money, obviously, uh, being on Nashville, they're at minus one sixty five to win that game. Winnipeg, the plus one thirty five odds. Uh, do you think Winnipeg's got a chance to go into go into go into Smashville and get uh, get one? 
I think they definitely have a chance, especially after I was very confident that I thought the Wild had a chance to beat them because of how inexperienced they are and how, you know, how not being, you know, they made, they've been in the playoffs once since um, they moved to Winnipeg. I think they've only been in there twice since they became an expansion team as the Thrashers. And they got bounced in the first round both times. And I think they actually won their division the, the Atlanta year and they were with Kovalchuk and Heatley and those guys and still didn't win. So I thought that was really going to hurt them with the experience. They've, they've shown they can play. Lots of goals in this series. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, I'm wondering if they've, they've exuded all of their energy now, especially after that four, nothing drumming at home. They took on Monday last night, Mm -hmm. but you never know. I mean, I think smart money is on Nashville for the simple fact they, you know, they came from the playoffs last year. I, t- I say it every week, but when you got Subban, Roman Yossi, and Ryan Ellis, you have three all-star caliber defensemen. I think that makes a difference. And I'd rather, you know, I'd rather put money on on, on Nashville with Pecorine over Connor Hellyabuk. There you go. Uh, speaking of odds, obviously, uh, you know, with that, uh, that series already been clinched up, Tampa Bay. Uh, you want to know what the opening is for game one? Yes. Uh, you're looking at Washington plus 160, Tampa Bay minus 180. I got I, I to gotta be honest, man. I I like Washington. I, you know, and I, I know our group chat. I, I I chimed in. I said, man, my final my final. I want uh, I want Vegas. I want Vegas against Washington. Or I I, I wouldn't be mad at Nashville either. Uh, so really, whoever comes out of the West, I'm happy. But I want Washington to come out of that East. Here's the one thing I look at too is if you get Tampa versus Vegas. That even goes off my point even more. It's two warm weather cities that are in the championship. Yeah, you know, uh, you know. I mean, all these. I mean, really, it's almost everybody that's left. You know, Nashville's a, uh, a normal. I'm going to call it a, a warmer climate. Yep. You know, Win- Winnipeg is the only cold place left. I think. <laughs> I mean, Washington yeah, I, I mean, too, I mean, to an extent, but 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 Winnipeg, you know. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where people say, well, warm climate teams don't win. No, they're they're winning because their fans are going to these games. They're getting the, attendance. They're, they're draws. Oh yeah. yeah, and the you Kings, know, man, come on, the, the Kings have already won championships. Yeah, they won, they won two. They won two in like three years. They were in that weird conglomerate of championships with with the Blackhawks, and you know the Ducks won one not long before that. You know, so it's it's one of those things where these markets in these warm climates are drawing well enough that they can sign these players and they have owners that are willing to spend the money. So, you know, that even boosts it more, but no, I just, I look, I, I said this, I said this to you last week. If you remember, I, when you asked me, can Tampa beat Boston? I said, if they can beat them three, one and hold them to just a goal and shut down that offense and use those stud defense, like they should, there's no way Boston can match up because that defense is just too good, and they can't stop Tampa scoring. They went on and won. They won out since last Tuesday when we talked. They didn't lose. I, think, uh, I was going to say. I think uh, after that first game, uh, they they've won out, and I think they got four goals a game. If actually, if I recall, yeah, one, two, and, three. I, and if, oh no, actually, the, the last game they only had three. But uh, yeah, you know, the, the, you know, what three point seven five goals per game? Not bad. I mean, that's that's gonna that's gonna do all right. Uh, Look at these. <laughs> Though Sunday three one two goal game held on the one goal just like I said they had to do to win four three in overtime on Friday yep that's a little different I get that but they pulled it out and then the day the next day game two just like I said four one they had an empty netter but it was a two goal game where they played smart 
They got their no. cushion going. They couldn't do anything. That's the thing Tampa brings to this table. And as, as dangerous as Kuznetsov looks right now and as Ovechkin is, Marshan, Pasternak, Bergeron, those guys were leading the NHL in scoring in the playoffs. And as good as Washington guys are, they weren't as hot as Boston players were. And when you get hot in the playoffs, it changes everything. True. And I just so you know, don't know that they can get through that defense. Yeah. That, I mean, but think about the momentum. I mean, you beat Sidney Crosby. You beat yeah. Malkin. You beat – I mean, like, like, come on, man. That's, 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 no, that's no short feat because they were still – they were the odds-on favorites. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they now, were. Pittsburgh was? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I believe it. I mean, even with Washington and home ice. Um, but, like, it's just one of those things where beating Pittsburgh to Washington, it's a huge thing for, you know, Caps fans, obviously. But, you know, new coach, new new system, half the roster's different. I mean, aside from Holtby and, you know, Ovechkin and Backstrom and guys like that, they don't have that same disdain and competitive edge, I think. Yes, obviously they do, and I don't mean it in that way, but – I don't know if that Pittsburgh win, they, I don't think some of these players understood how important that win was. And that's the only thing that I don't know if, if the momentum fills the room as much as it should from what we think it should. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. These finals, I think both have the capability to go seven games, no, no matter who goes in to be perfectly honest on this West coast one. Um, I think the same with the East. Um, it's going to be fun playoff hockey. It's, it's, it's what it's about. Um, switching, uh, switching gears. Real quick. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. If Nashville beats Winnipeg, all four number one seeds are in the conference finals. Wow. I don't think we've seen that in ever. I mean, like five, six years ago, the five, six, seven and eight seed from the West were all in at the same time. You know, the one through four all got beat. The year I think the Kings won the cup their first time, you know, Tampa 113, Washington 105. They were the division winners and Nashville with 117 and Vegas with 109 were the division winners. So it's, it's just the, the cream of the crop is really playing to that expectation. And we just need Nashville to do it. But yeah. Uh, so uh, let's see again. Uh, kind of piggybacking off those capitals and people kind of making the uh, making the leap uh, in a standout game. Uh, I'm going to call him the leader of the Houston Rockets. <laughs> uh, my guy Chris Paul uh, finally gets over that hump of the uh, the second round uh, of the of the playoffs as well. James Harden, right? What's that? It'll him to get to James Harden to do it, right? Uh, yeah, hey, hey, you know, the, D'Antoni needs all the, all the help he can get, too. Um, but uh, uh, 41 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds over 38 minutes for Chris Paul. Um, no turnovers for, uh, again, I, I see the best point guard of this generation. Uh, you know, they, they finish off the Utah Jazz 4-1, 112-102 to in the final tonight. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I do have breaking news, actually. Um, Walt Disney and the UFC have reached a multi-year deal to bring exclusive live UFC events to ESPN effective January 2019, meaning they left Fox. Wow. Which Fox means, doesn't do it much. 
Well, you know, well, you know what that means now. That means the WWE may leave the USA Network, and Monday Night Raw might be on primetime every Monday on Fox. Oh. That is huge. Wow, that just changes the game for everybody. Good, maybe that means WWE won't suck ass the whole time. All right, anyway, continue. Sorry. Uh, you asked, what was the question you asked me? My apologies. Uh, your thoughts on the Rockets and, uh, and, and their success in this round. Hey, you know, we, we say it every week. We, we ate crow because we didn't think that those two were going to coexist in the, in the backcourt. And they've yeah. been one of the best backcourts I've seen in years. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, to toot my own horn in regards to players disappearing, uh, 14 points for uh, the potential MVP today uh, and four okay. rebounds, four assists. He had, to, he had to take a night off some point. Well, he's, not, he's taken a few but, nights off, but that's okay. I digress. Donovan Mitchell also got hurt, too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, absolutely. Huge deal. Um, you know, the... <laughs> the other obviously big thing that we're going to be talking is uh, uh, LeBron James. I don't know if you heard, oh. but they went four zero against the Raptors, bro. Yeah, you know, Golden or uh, Toronto. I think we talked about this last week. I think it happened beforehand. I think it happened right before we went on air. But they missed three three buckets to win the game in the final forty seven seconds, and then they missed the two chances to win it in overtime. And then let Cleveland get back in that game and win when they had almost a 20-point lead. I think that was the nail in the coffin. I think they lost all any, – any hope that they had to finally beat Cleveland when they let game one slip away like that. I think once they walked in the locker room, I bet you half those guys went, well, we know it's going to happen again. And then it happened again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Game three. Uh, gross. Uh, they they blow them out twice actually uh, 18 points in game two and obviously uh, the closeout game where uh, I think Drake uh, is probably weeping uh, I think they beat him so bad he's gonna make another soft album um, <laughs> Go, you know so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think actually like the Scorpion King or whatever he's calling it uh, is coming out in June just a, just a shameless plug. Um, <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the Cleveland, uh, you know, there's a great sketch on uh, <laughs> a great sketch on Saturday Night Live, LeBron's uh, teammates, and uh, LeBron looks like he carried them the entire round. Do you think uh, that he can get them through the Eastern Conference so we can see LeBron James in what finals one more time? I'll say this, and I know everyone's going to go, whoa, but everybody says that kind of thing. I think there's a good chance, but I think – I think Brad Stevens deserves so much more credit than he's getting for the fact of how well he's coaching this Boston team without Irving or uh, Gordon Hayward. Like yeah. the play he's getting from Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris and Terry Rozier. And we talked about last week, Salemi Ogile is starting for this team half the time. Uh, Al Horford is showing out like an all-star. I, I feel like he deserves – I mean, he lost Jalen Brown even at one point for a game. So I, I think I think there's a going to be a tough play that I think Boston's going to come more ready than Toronto did for the fact that they're not they, – I guess, I guess the, the, the short answer is they feel more dangerous to me without their two all-stars because it's a team that's playing together, which sometimes can be better than having all-stars. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Marcus Smart, Marcus Cooper, uh, Marcus Cooper, Mark Cooper from Hanging with Mr. Cooper. They they got it. All right. They're going to they're gonna get this one. Here's the kicker for me. What if Boston wins the championship without Kyrie? After the hoop lob, him leaving. And then Boston goes and wins and goes, oh, we didn't really need you. No, they, no, 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 no. We can't, we can't say that at all because you take ten games off of them and they're a, uh, and and they're what forty five and thirty seven. Uh, they're uh, they're a six seed. So they're you playing I mean? Philly, canceling. Well, well, they're playing Philly, but they're also playing on the road. Okay, they 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 lost their, their. I think didn't they lose? Well, they lost game four, but they didn't they smoke them in Philly. Yeah, but I'm saying home court. Period. They don't have home court the entire the, the and, entire and I'm playoffs. I'm with that, but I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't think this team is as bad as we thought they were. No, I, I don't think that either. But I think, I think obviously that first what, what like 16 games or whatever the hell it was. I mean, God, that was. Under- <laughs> I, 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 you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, he, he dude willed him. Uh, There's a lot of questions to begin that season and a lot of these guys came on later in the year too so uh you know i think i think uh he's if you say that he didn't contribute to this run or the fact that they're there at all i i think that's a little uh you know potentially outlandish yeah, but i'm not saying that at all oh yeah i'm just but, saying Kyrie makes this big stink about getting off of the Cavs and wanting his own team and wanting to prove that he's going to beat lebron in the playoffs and bring a championship to his new team and then yeah. they do it all without him yeah, I think it's just be, ironic. Saying not, I'm oh, not yeah. discredit. I don't think they oh, get. Yeah. I went to God as far as that. I just mean that it's it just be kind of ironic. Like, well, we didn't need you. We did it on our own. Thanks yeah. for the wins, but yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think anybody would say that to him either. Though that's the, that's the thing. But it's uh, yeah, I, I love it. I love it honestly. And I I'm. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say I'm cheering for the Celtics, but man, they they got a little story to get with. At the same time, I wanted the 76ers to do this to be the be the young cats, the young cubs biting all these old dudes in the butt. You know what I mean? But uh, man, realistically, maybe they win three in a row. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I mean they're not dead yet. No, it's just true. It is it is it is not over. But but game five in Boston. Yeah, I don't think Boston's. I think Boston's six and zero at home this year Yikes. in the playoffs. Uh, speaking of being at home, uh, Golden State up seventeen points right now uh, over the Pelicans. Is this series over? This is a shellacking. They're probably just coasting at this point. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, yeah. It, I mean, so obviously our West, you're gonna have the Houston Rockets uh, against the 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 Warriors. It's what you want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Realistically, you don't you don't want anything else. Um, you know, in the East, obviously, you got Cleveland, you got LeBron for one more Eastern Conference Finals, an unprecedented number of Eastern Conference Finals, uh, as far as this goes. I mean, Bill Russell esque, uh, as far as it goes with the this Celtics. I, I, what's that? This is what is eight. I believe that is correct. Seven finals Four. in a row, right? Yeah, because he's yeah because he was two and one against Golden State, and then he was two and two with Miami. So yeah, this will be his eighth. Man, ugh, oh man, that's I mean, I again, I, I can't 
like you said last week, this this might be the or no, I think you said it on uh, standing eight count. Like it's the best. It might be the best LeBron ever. Like mm-hmm. I, I it just I can't even. Uh, I'm looking at this dude playing, and I, 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 I'm speechless, and 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 I'm in awe, and it's awesome to watch because uh, that floater, uh, that floater that he hit, uh, I think it was what was it, game three? Um, somebody, uh, somebody on Twitter said LeBron, LeBron shot that like he was. <laughs> he said he, uh, LeBron shot that like he was shooting balled up socks in the laundry basket. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this dude, this, he's making it look effortless, but I know he's, I know he's putting in the hardest work that he's ever, that he's ever put in on this court. And, uh, if he were to say otherwise, he'd be lying to you, but I'll be damned if he's not, if I, if he doesn't make it look easy to, in some extent. Well, and here's, here's the one thing too, is this dude is, is playing more minutes and doing more than he's, he's ever done. Um, I think the one thing that people don't realize is the fact that, you know, everyone thinks, everyone thinks, okay, he's, he's, he's killing himself. When is he going to, when is he going to, going to be able to not do this? Cause there's no slowdown. There is slowdown. There's a lot of slowdown. Um, his LeBron James average speed during the regular season was 3.85 miles an hour. Um, of all the players who average at least 20 minutes, that's in the bottom 10 slowest players in the league. Um, and in the playoffs, his speed has dropped down to a 3.69. He, uh, so they're, they're saying the reason that, that it's like that is he spends, he spends almost 75% of the time he's on the court just walking. So he's literally like, he's taking plays off, but only plays that he knows he doesn't have a chance of doing anything on. This guy is resting for three fourths of the game he's playing. And it's a great stat and a great article. Brian Windhorst put out. Um, It's somewhere on, if you go on the ESPN.com, it's somewhere on the NBA tab. But I I remember reading, I remember those numbers because it's just, it's ironic that he literally isn't doing anything, but he's doing more than here, here's here's my here's my question to that like like and, and like that's what that's one of those weird stats too like uh uh yards per carry all right you uh you you push all that out you know you're you're running the ball you're doing this you're doing that and then and then uh are you there um, yeah, and then you. okay i'm sorry i didn't i i, I hear it cut out so then, uh, so you, you're 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 running the ball during the game. You're still putting every effort and every carry, but you're just not getting the same amount of yardage. All right, I look at that. Whenever LeBron James touches the ball on offense, if he drives to the basket, he's not taking a playoff. He's he's doing like four plays. You know what I mean? Like it, it's I don't I, I don't I don't I'm not sure I'd buy that stat as far as being being um, a a indicator of of where. Uh, on LeBron James. So there was there was about ten times last game somebody somebody went with that article where when a player went by him on a screen he was already just he just stood still and didn't even do anything other than start moving back down the court slowly. That's taking a playoff. Uh, I guess I guess I would have to see it I, again. I, I just I'm not. But he's not. I guess. The, but the thing that I look at is he's not. You know, and I'll even use it in a, in a different context to go against the yak argument is, you know, 
yes, you know, they're doing all this extra work for a bad yak, but, you know, when these guys produce that extra work and then break these runs, they are, you know, they're getting paid for it. Jerick McKinnon's the fourth highest highest paid running back in the NFL now because he had like a four-yard yak with the Vikings. That guy's not worth the fourth highest paid contract in the NFL, but because he got yak, he's getting paid. Yeah, you know, I'm just, like, yeah, no, I'm just saying, but it's just one of those things. I I agree and I see it, but at the same time, it's one of those things where I I I, I refuse to his his numbers alone, the rebounds, the assists, the I I, I don't see how I, how do you get eight rebounds and and, and still okay. be sitting down? Like I don't know. Well, you're not sitting down. That's the thing. Is yeah. if you have seventy possessions and you get eight rebounds. Realistically, you could be taking 35 plays off. Come on, is he taking 35 plays off? I'm not saying he is, but going by these numbers, he's not hustling when he doesn't need to. When, when, the, when, it, when, it's, when it's the other way. I mean, when this guy's in the bottom 10 of the entire NBA, they're saying, like, Brooke Lopez is faster than him, like runs more on the court than him. Matt, and Brooke Lopez I, just parts up at the three-point line. I think it's yeah. in G. Who, 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 else is the, who else is in the bottom ten? They, they don't list that. I, I'm sure I can yeah, find see, it. That's, that's the thing. It's, I need to see who else is in this list. And, and like, I need to see what the fastest players do, right? Because if the fastest players are a bunch of scrubs, then, then, then this thing does nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, the fastest is probably Russell Westbrook. I mean, that guy doesn't. Player speed and distance. Let's see if this actually pulls up here. Um, something's loaded. We'll see what uh, 27-18, Do you want me to do a uh, regular season? Let's yeah. Let's do the regular season because that that that'll get that'll give me eighty two games worth of 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 data. Take that for data. Take that data. So there's 11 pages. Holy cow. Let's go to the 11th page because I'm assuming he's got to be on there then. Um, okay, so the guys – so the, here's the guys below LeBron James. Nate Walters, uh, Chris Paul, Jeff Teague, Blake Griffin, David West, no surprise, Carmelo Anthony, P.J. Dozier, Mark Gasol, Kendrick Perkins, John Wall, Maurice Spates, James Harden, Udonis Haslam, DeMarcus Cousins. And wait, James Harden's among the slowest? Yeah, because he does the same thing. That's why he plays so long. It seems like these guys are doing this as like a like a tactic. Like it's like it's like, well, they pick and I, choose their spots. I mean that's just that's just what it is. But it's smart. I mean it's work my my thing is it's working. And that's where I'm going off of this. Like whatever he's doing he's never done before. And, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm just curious if you took the stat all, all, all throughout the, the history of the NBA, like I'm, I'm kind of curious, like where, where things would line up, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, who's give me the fastest, give me the, 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 the most agile, if you will. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, hold on. Let me go back to page one. Uh, who is up there? Uh, number one, uh, Tyler Lydon on Denver. Okay. Everybody on Denver moves. Uh, Ish, uh, Ish Smith is up there. He's he's a he's a fast one. Dante uh, Murray on the Spurs is up there. Uh, who else is on there? T.J. McConnell, another guy who plays a lot. 
Um, who else is up here that plays a lot as well? Dante, is there, is there a top list. 20 NBA player in there at all? Tony Parker's on this list over at a 4.68, and that guy can really move. <laughs> um, Markel Fultz is on here. Buddy Heald's on here. I mean, there's there's some decent names. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the players that make the difference, they, they, they don't play. 0.5. What's that? Leonard is on here. Kyle Kuzma's on here. Uh, Kuzma played a lot more than Leonard, I'll tell you that. Le- Leonard is going to be uh, kind of a, a shorter number of games. Ben Simmons is on here, and he's identical. People say he is LeBron James. <laughs> Rick, uh, on here. Victor Oladipo, most improved player. Lonzo Ball. These are all guys who have over a mile per hour. Uh, D.A.A. Ron Fox. Uh, Jordan. <laughs> I'm so mad at that. Uh, hey, speaking of taking plays off, what do, you, what do you think of the Rodney Hood uh, micro controversy there? I don't know, man. His problem is he gets traded from Utah to Cleveland, thinks, yeah, man, I'm going to help win the championship. And he's as much trash as Jay Crowder was. Man. It's funny you say that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, but what do you, how do you feel if you're a teammate and uh, at, at any level of the NBA and your coach tells you to go in and, and, and you refuse to go in? How do you, how do you feel about that? I, I, I don't, I'm not buying that. I don't, I, I'm not, I, I cold shoulder this cat if I'm a teammate, man. Like, you know, I look, I'll tell you flat out the fact that Carmelo Anthony said that there's no way I'll play as a six man and he's yeah. been in the league since 2004 and can barely move as well. Yeah. That, that infuriates me just as much. And that's Carmelo Anthony. I'm saying that about Rodney hood has no clout to do that. Yeah. You yeah. know, and yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. Look, another, another coup de grace for the Lakers getting LeBron is they said, Hey, Rob Plink is like, hey, man, not only are we going to sign your boy KCP to not make your sports agency look like a bunch of doofuses, tell him to turn down that four-year deal with the Pistons, which made no sense that they told him to turn that down. But we're going to uh, trade man, you on the Pistons. Oh, my God, that would have been so good. Oh, uh. yeah, his, Rich Paul and them told him to turn down the money because they'll get him a bigger deal. Then everyone's, well, we don't want him. So then Rob Plink is like, I got, got you. Let me just. You know, hey, now that we signed KCP, I can talk to you, Rich Paul. Your KCP is now our gateway to LeBron. We'll use code word KCP when we talk about LeBron. Like this is all, this is all nice. And then he's like, look, I'll tell you what. You can tell I'm doing air quotes KCP that on his team he's on. We're gonna give them Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance to help fuel them to make another run so KCP can try to get to another final. <laughs> hey, man, we're going to help. So just remember all these favorites. Oh, man. You're going to get us tampering. We're going to get tampering charges on here. Adam Silver Stop dry it. snitching on Rob Palenka. <laughs> <laughs> because I got dry snitch on myself then. I, I was wondering why LeBron suddenly started making all these game-winning shots. He's got to start getting his Mamba-like symptoms ready to be in L.A. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. So, so obviously, our, our, East, up, Coast, uh, 
<laughs> our East Coast predictions have been a little awry here as far as uh, current events. What, where do you see this going uh, with, with the, the with the Eastern Finals, and then uh, ultimately who who do we got? We got we got to alter our situations where we look like fools uh, the entire way here. Look, I, I might as well just do exactly what I said the day that we did the uh, I did that NFL or that NBA preview show. I think with Kevin Draves and Nick Hagberg. I'll just stick with Warriors Cavs. That's what I said then. And I've thought about it and overanalyzed it. When it's all said and done, just go with what you what you originally thought because it's usually always right. <laughs> That's I, great. Yeah, I, I do see the Warriors still coming out of the West. I, I I'll I'll be damned if their depth doesn't eat up the the Rockets. And uh, it'll be it's going to be a fun series. I hope I hope it goes seven games because now, do you, this is where they should go to that idea of reseeding, so we would have Rockets Warriors in the NBA Finals instead of the conference finals? Man. That'd be gross, too. Because then, well, then who would it be? It would be, uh, would it be Rockets Cavs? Yeah, yes. No, because Rockets were the one seed, so it would be Warriors Cavs Rockets Celtics. No, no be, yeah, yeah, Rockets Cavs Warriors Celtics. Rockets Cavs Warriors Celtics. Wow. Wow. It, you know, it, it, it would almost be better if it was Warriors, Cavs, Rockets, Celtics. Yeah. Because then you get, you know, you still get to see the the Cavs. Like, I mean, that, that's that's interesting. That'd be that the reseeding. Uh, man, that's a juicy idea. Yeah, it's and like like I said, I I love the idea because you you truly are getting the top sixteen teams seated. But I also do agree that that. You know, I understand, you know, we talked about that. Well, you know, they fly in these elegant jets and they have the best training staff, so I get all that. But, you know, if if Portland's playing New Orleans or Portland's playing Miami, that is still a long flight regardless. And to have to do that in a seven-game series is tough. Yeah, but if, if Portland's playing L.A., it's still a long flight. Like, I, I don't buy that either. I, I, I still I still, I still no, it's like two hours. Portland to Miami. Oh yeah, but like look at like Portland to to Dallas. I mean, even some of those are or Portland to San Antonio. Some of those flights are just gross, right? The the West teams for New York to Dallas, Houston. Yeah, but but now now you're also going New York to Dallas or Houston. Now you're going east against west again. Yeah. Like and and like I said, I'm not making an excuse or anything, but you know, there's there's some of those guys that you know who knows if. I'm on a plane for seven hours. If I start cramping up wrong and you can't do anything about it, you know, I'm not saying that'll happen, but I could see that being an excuse teams would start using it. I, I think it's an injustice to your players to make them do that too. They, they play, you know, they play every other every other day. They get a rest day. They, they, you yeah. know, like your travel day is fine. If you, if you're still cramped up after, after a day and a half, you need to eat some more, more bananas. All right. Like you gotta, you gotta get something going. You gotta also get your Gatorade, your G two on. All right, jump in four time zones. So if you leave at midnight from Portland and you get to Miami at seven, or you know vice versa or whatever, now it's actually eleven o'clock. So now it's really turned into an eleven hour difference. And now it's daylight when you left in the middle of the night. You know, okay, well now we had practice today. Everyone go nap for an hour and then go practice. And now after that, I mean, it's. I know it sounds like we're babying these guys. You're, you're, you're babying them. They're, they're professionals. Mm-hmm. 
All right, I got, I got, I got guys that, I got guys that would show up at the hotel, uh, you know, coming from, you know, two time zones over, but they got to leave at five in the morning their time, put in eight hours, then go back to the hotel. You know what I mean? Like, we're peons in this world. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying these. I'm saying these guys would 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 travel from their homes and and, and then go from there. I, I I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. Yeah. Well, I think you know. I think the other nice thing with that is we'd be like, hell yeah, we're sleeping in a nice ass hotel tonight. Yeah, you know, I, I get that firm bed. <laughs> we're looking at this. <laughs> get a little individual wrap soaps. Yeah, you know, we get some <laughs> of them chocolate pretzels again, like I had that one day. Yeah. But yeah, it's just I mean, it's just one of those things, man. Like I I don't know. I I say bring it on. Reseed reseed the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just I I can see with the way that that players union is that that would be a gripe. Whatever. Uh uh what's his name is making 13 million. Della De, De, De Nova or whatever. All right. <laughs> and right who doesn't even want to play as it is. You know, so you know what? <laughs> they can shove it. <laughs> like, uh, give me league minimum, all right? I, I got, I got, I got five fouls to give, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I'll sit courtside at an NBA game and fly all over the world and get free delivery and whatnot or whatever. I'd, I'd get, uh, I, I would grow the dirtiest uh, mustache and the dirtiest, greasiest hair, like, a la Adam Morrison. All right, I'd be there trying to high five Kobe on his last game, uh, like. You know, count me in. Yeah, man, I'd be swole as hell because I wouldn't be getting any court time, so I'd just be in a weight room. Dang, I'd be like, what? Big baby Davis-looking face. Heck yeah, I can't do anything else because they're not going to pass me the ball. Might as well get <laughs> over here. They're paying me to get yoked on the sidelines. Oh, man. I, are you going to pan, though, or do you, do you run out looking like Scalabrini? No, man, I'd be the dude who comes into camp weighing, like, a buck ninety soaking wet, and I leave looking like Dwight Howard, like uh, Orlando. But, but but I'm saying like I like if you know when the garbage time comes and you get your uh, you get your two minutes, all right. You know you're up by twenty six. All right, yeah. Or, I don't get two minutes. I'm the guy that's in a suit sitting at the end of the bench because I don't even get that much respect. No, man. This, this is the this is the regular season, man. This is this is somebody's got there. There's some healthy scratches occurring. All right, are you Brian Scalabrini? Are you pasty as all get up? Or are you hitting the tanning booth? That's what I want to know. Oh, dude, I'm a pro wrestler. I tan all the time. I don't care. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'll come walking in there looking like I'm the biggest deal in the world, and then get steamrolled by Victor Oladipo or something. <laughs> You'd be on somebody's poster. <laughs> I'd be going. I'd be up against Russell Westbrook, and he would just blow by me, and I'd be like, "At least my biceps are bigger." Walk away. <laughs> are you? That'd be. Would that be your trash talk to like Kevin Durant? Be like, "Yo, you can only you can only put that up four times, bro." Like, what are you, you that you, kid from uh, the kid from Egan or a diner who can only do one pull up in the NHL? Yeah, what's Casey what's going on there? <laughs> you know, but the sad thing is, he's like, you know, I got, I got, a, I got a championship ring and an MVP trophy, bro. Like, man, you, have you seen my, uh, Xbox Live uh, achievements? I almost cracked 10k. Dude. Yeah, now what? I'll go in fantasy the season, make trades, and win my own ring, and take a picture and send it to you because I got a team contact list, so I can check in with people. I got your phone number. How does that? In my phone, it says, 
KD is in my phone. When I go to the bar, I go, hey, hey, I'm friends with KD. I play on the Warriors. Now what? Thank <laughs> you. My cloud. And I got free gym sessions to get yoked in. I got a tan. All right, all right. You look. You you could you gotta be. You're gonna be the last man off the bench on one of the bottom six teams. Uh, who who are you playing for? <sighs> you, you can't. You're not gonna be at a contender. You're not gonna. You're you're not gonna be. All right. You got. You're gonna be. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna. You know. Phoenix. The Bulls. You'd be on Phoenix. I like. I like I like the city. I used to go to Arizona every summer. Maybe I can uh, maybe I can like hang out with Patrick Peterson and get some uh, get some Cardinals tickets. Dang. And they I, got uh, kind of dope jerseys. Man, I don't know, man. That's a that's a toughie. I I'd either go Magic, Magic Orlando's or Mavericks. A, Orlando's a dump. Yeah, but but you know I'm I'm looking out for my my dollar. I get no income tax on my my league minimum. Oh, I go to Dallas because I bet Dirk would be tight to hang out with. He'd be saying <laughs> stuff to me. I wouldn't even know what he's talking about, but i just laugh to make him feel better, and then he'd let me hang out with him. <laughs> I feel like Dirk gives – I feel like no matter – like every every high five Dirk's ever given has been awkward. Yeah, man. Like Dirk <laughs> likes everybody. <laughs> I remember watching the punked episode where uh, yeah. Dirk Nowitzki was on there, and this kid came – like had him sign something. And then, like, then the kid came back and started to have him sign, like, other things, like, like uh, other team stuff. And he was signing, like, baseball mitts and things. Like, <laughs> Hey, and let's not forget how dope my facilities and locker room are because Q- Mark Cuban's my owner. I know. Rolling around hey, in segways. Mark, Mark Cuban, you own Access TV. What's up with that New Japan? <laughs> you just mark out, no pun intended. He, yeah, he's like, all right, now uh, this is our facilities. What, what? I'm like, hey, can I meet Okada? What? What are you talking about? Can I meet Okada. Um, I wonder. Okay. I always wonder. I always wonder how many owners, like outside of obviously Mark Cuban, you know, you know he's an active owner. Like, how many owners are legit active, like at the at the facility, you know, or talking to players, or you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure Genie is. I think Genie gets props. Oh yeah, Genie's um, definitely there. Not James Dolan on draft night. He was out with his band playing a, playing saxophone. The guy's an Ooh. idiot. Ooh, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Dolan. He did a song for the Deadspin Awards. Deadspin does like an award ceremony. And, oh, James, uh, Jimmy Dolan's from the air up there. The Jimmy Dolan Shake and Bake. Where'd you learn uh, that? J- Illustrated <laughs> Edition. Dang, that, that show was tight. I can I, I need to watch that again. I like when the dude's like, he was like, no, you got to be a tribe member. And then dude looks down his pants and he's like, oh, you are a tribe member. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, how messed up is this? That dude, that dude like climbs a mountain and then they like cut him, and like yeah. he's in a trance, is sawing his midsection. I'm like, like ten years old. Like, what in the hell am I watching? Yeah, that movie tripped me out. And and they and they hustled hard for that. Uh, <laughs> that that camcorder and the battery and the extra battery that was that was on point. I like that. T- Tony Atlas <laughs> came from Saba Simba doing his yeah. shtick from the old WWE. Heck yeah, that's tight. Yeah, should we uh, should we wrap this up? I think we've been going way 
way rogue for a while, and we may go longer than two hours if we stay this rogue. <laughs> we're gonna start. To, we're gonna spiral into like the best sports movies, which will eventually happen, I'm sure, as a uh, sports sportscast radio pop culturist crossover. But uh, yeah, that's uh, let's let's wrap her up. Um, obviously, uh, we'll catch you next week. We'll two one or two more NFL e- or NFC East teams should be on here rocking and rolling. We were dunning for the Eagles, but we couldn't set it up. So uh, shout out once again, Ian Cummings, RigglesRag.com, coming in talking with us. Uh, we'll have more playoffs as well next week. Maybe some other little little dilly dally here. Uh, you can catch Pop Cultures tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Soda Sound Radio should be back Thursday as well. I'm not sure on the time of that. But keep a lookout on our Strong Style Media Facebook as well as on our Blog Talk channel here. As always, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio TuneIn. And I found out somehow we were on Player FM. Thank you for however we got put on that because none of us know how it happened. So kudos to that. Um, we couldn't officially do this yesterday, Jordan. Uh, so I'm going to do it now. Um, bearing an uncer- uh, unforeseen circumstance. And I wanted to do this a different way, but... I don't know how to do uh, Photoshop, and I don't know if I can get the thing made in time uh, for when it happens. But uh, as long as everything goes, as of Saturday, uh, May 2nd, uh, WrestleCast Radio will officially be all in at StarCast. Uh, On the podcast radio row, there's eight of us Friday. We're one of the podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, WrestleCast is all in for Starcade. Cody Rhodes, Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, everyone, Chicago, at the Sears Center. So, oof, I cannot wait. If you're going to if you're going to the StarCast, which is the big convention, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday convention, come say hi to us. We're gonna have T-shirts. Uh, we got we got the WrestleCast wristbands, guys. Uh, I got a list of some people. We're gonna be having a live guest that we're going to be interviewing and I'll say this, he's going to be working all in. Uh, so we'll, we'll have uh, somebody sitting down with us and we'll just say there is at least a 10% or higher chance that daddy may get his wish. And we may be talking live on air with the rainmaker Kazuchika Okada himself. Don't quote me, but it very well may happen. Uh, we were going to announce this on WrestleCast. It didn't get finalized. I got the email back. So uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we are all in. Oh, it's so good. That's lit. I got the heebies right now. You got the goobies, maybe we'll baby. The, maybe we'll have the Young Bucks to talk with you guys. Maybe we'll have, maybe we'll have Kenny O'Man. I, I you just, know, maybe all we'll, I need is my dude. Just get one of my dudes on there. <laughs> well, we'll see if Coda or Will Ospreay is working the show. They might not be working the, the all-in show. But uh <sighs> I, I'll tell you right now, it's going to be a lot of Alex during the interview if it's Okada, because I may go Team Mussolini, uh, make a wish kid, and just sit there and not know what to do. You gonna throw um, up on yourself too? I very well might. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hand him the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, have him sign it, and then work on it, and then not oh. clean it in fear of signature. That's tight. you know. Oh, uh, oh is is Daddy oh, working? Oh, he's not he's not scheduled for it. Oh. Um, Demetrius is there, aka Jay Lethal, will be on the show. Um, it's it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be awesome. cheeseburger. Cheeseburger be tight. Have Demetrius and cheeseburger face off just for a picture. You know what 
what's going on. Um, you know, what's going to be really do a triple threat um, match? Jay Lethal, Demetrius, <laughs> and Jay's Burger. Uh, Bruce Pritchard <laughs> is running the Stumpsworth podcast. Eric Bischoff's doing his podcast. Um, Xbox's doing his. DDP's doing something. Uh, Jim Ross is do- all these dudes are doing their podcast, and we get official media um, credentials where we get to record audio. We also may get a special seating at All In where we can sit there and record audio and talk to people. I mean, there's a lot that's going to be coming. It's it's not till September 1st, so well, details are very scarce right now. But, um, yeah, I just I had to say it. We'll have more information hopefully on Monday on WrestleCast, or Tuesday. Next Monday, SportsCast will be on Monday instead of Tuesday. WrestleCast will be Tuesday instead of Monday. Part of the reason is because Alex will be live in studio with me. He is actually coming from Chicago, the site of All In. Saturday the 12th, they will have a actual, or Saturday, Sunday the 13th, there is an All In press conference. So Alex, I believe, will be there. We'll be getting all the details. And he'll be uh, live to talk about the World of Worlds show in Chicago that weekend. So a lot of good stuff coming coming your guys' way. With uh, that, just, just, <laughs> just what? <laughs> with with that being said, uh, you come halfway around the world to watch me play this basketball. That's what I said. Are you healthy up there? Never said that, Jimmy Dolan. Shout out to Love it. Never said that. Now-